Dave Campbell is superintendent of Kalamazoo Regional Educational Service Agency, or RESA for short. He's passionate about public education, and he has strong opinions about it. A while back, we called him up and asked to talk to him about some new research we'd just published, trying to quantify the nature of the teacher shortage, if any, in Michigan. Question one. Dave Campbell, is there a teacher shortage in Michigan? There is a massive teacher shortage in Michigan, and in a way, as your report indicates, there's always been a massive teacher shortage when you look at the details. We hope to get into a few of those details in the next few minutes. This is Facts Matter, the Citizens Research Council of Michigan podcast. I'm Nancy Derringer, Communications Director for the Research Council, and in this podcast, we look at Michigan through a policy lens. Our discussions here are informed by our 103 years of experience doing nonpartisan, fact-based research on policy issues. We hope this podcast will serve as another way for the public to access our work, which is, as always, free and available to all at our website, crcmich.org. Today we're talking about that report we published last month, Assessing the Teacher Pipeline. Here's our Director of Research, Craig Thiel, describing in broad strokes what we found. What we were able to do in looking at the data was to kind of tickle out some themes, some trends that we've seen both kind of uh, in terms of a snapshot in time, but also over time. And I think uh, the big takeaway is that in terms of a snapshot at time, we don't. We're still overproducing teachers in the state. Um, so supply-wise, to meet demand, I think we we're, we're still safe there. But we have a maldistribution of, of of teachers, and we're not we're not putting the teachers and getting the teachers in the classrooms where there's the greatest need, um, both in terms of educational need of students, but also just putting bodies in classrooms. Just to complicate things further, here's one more voice: Karen McPhee. She is a former superintendent in the Ottawa Area Intermediate School District and served as Governor Rick Snyder's senior policy advisor in education in 2015 and 2016. The talent shortage in education is really a part of a larger talent shortage overall in Michigan. And everywhere you go, you can't can't walk down the street without seeing a help wanted sign right now. And and the demand for labor and talent uh, that we have in the state. Uh, And that's really rooted in the fact that we've lost um, a significant piece of our population. And uh, I think it's interesting that we haven't talked about a lot about this as a state, politically, whatever, but we've lost 600,000 K-12 students since the 70s. That's about 25% of our student base. Um, So, you know, we're getting older and uh, our population is stagnant and Consequently, it's had tremendous impact on available talent. Uh, We've seen a decline in college enrollment in the last few years, but without a doubt, uh, there is a more pronounced decline in the number of teacher candidates and then eventually certified teachers coming through that, that pipeline. So here we have three points of view. Campbell says, yes, definitely. McPhee says, yes, but it's complicated. And Thiel calls it a maldistribution of talent. They're all saying a version of the same thing. In the simplest possible terms, no, 
there's no shortage because we're producing the numbers we need in a state that has fewer school children. But if you're a superintendent in the Upper Peninsula trying to find a physics teacher or looking to hire special ed trained teachers or those who can teach English as a second language, simple supply and demand numbers aren't much comfort. Here's Dave Campbell again. If you don't mind, I'd like to just tell a quick story out of Muskegon, and I have full permission to tell this story. Um, a couple of years ago, the superintendent of Muskegon was in the superintendent's meeting in September, and he, and he asked, and he told the superintendent, he said, are you guys done yet? You done hiring my teachers? You've hired 24 of my teachers in the last two months. Um, and and uh, they said, yeah, we're, we're pretty much done. Now, Muskegon had just spent about $10,000 per teacher in professional development through some federal grants because they'd been... Uh, labeled as a alleged failing school. Gee, I wonder why when they're constantly having teacher turnover. Uh, sorry. Um, but they, uh, so they'd already spent a lot on professional development and then the districts around them hired those teachers. So I asked him, I said, John, what did you do? And he said, well, we, we uh, hired a lot of teachers out of Muskegon Heights. They're a charter school district. Their teachers don't get pensions. And so a lot of times they want out and, and, and hired in. And of course, at the end of the day, who's teaching the children in Muskegon Heights? Yes. Who is teaching the students of Muskegon Heights or the students in many of the other districts that are also having this problem? Here's Karen McPhee again. Um, we've got some districts that right now today, in early 2019, still do not have fully staffed schools um, with full-time certified teachers in their classrooms, uh, mostly urban, mostly rural districts, chronic dire shortages um, We ha- in all categories. We have a large group of districts that are starting to really experience very shallow pools of candidates in some certification areas. So high school core content, special ed, specialists of all kinds. And then English we is a have, second language. Absolutely. Um, right. Absolutely. Okay. And then we have a handful of districts, um, which are actually still being able to attract fairly good sized candidate pools. So because it is not dire in 540 traditional districts and 300 charter schools, um, it's, it depends where you are and what kind of a district you are. It doesn't seem like it's a five alarm fire, but if you're sitting in one of those districts that now, right now in early 2019, you still don't have qualified teachers in your classroom, it's very, very serious. You're probably getting the picture by now. Addressing teacher shortages or maldistribution isn't as simple as just training more of them. And there are complicating factors, the biggest of which may be that as an aging state that has struggled to keep its young people, Michigan simply has fewer of them to teach. Craig Thiel. The enrollment is one trend we would expect, the, you know, the key determinant of you know, demand of, for, for educators is going to be how many kids are enrolling in our public schools and uh, what's happening there. And yes, we've had this long-term tr- trend uh, in enrollment declines. It's projected to continue for close to another 10 years. So there'll be this natural kind of dampening of the need for teachers just based on the number of students. Finally, let's ice this cake. A recent Gallup poll found that 61% of superintendents nationwide strongly agreed that recruiting and retaining talented teachers would be a challenge for their district. And unfortunately, some of the profession's best recruiters are coming up short.
A teacher oftentimes families, and there's a million exceptions to this, but when you look at the data, you look at the trends, it tends to be true. A lot of teachers, their parents, particularly your mom, when you look at the demographics, were teachers. And and they looked at it, and they watched mom, and they thought, wow, what a, what a great profession. She made a difference in these kids' lives. You know, they, they look at the, the whole package, and I want to be a teacher. Unfortunately, this last 20 years or so, the, 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 it has become so much more complicated um, that a lot of people are looking <laughs> and saying, and, and frankly, a lot of teachers are telling their kids, don't be a teacher. <laughs> That's, uh, I well, never that's told dire. my kids that, but neither of them are teachers. Hmm. My daughter was a math major. I was. I actually told her, I said, "Man, would you ever want to teach math?" You know, there's a huge shortage of math teachers. She said, "Dad, what do you what do you start paying a, a math teacher?" I said, well, "We're starting about thirty five. Oh, really? Well, I'm going to be an actuary, and we started about fifty five thousand. And she's not even thirty years old yet, and she's making over a hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, in a in a in a very good job, but working from home for an insurance company." So what does this portend for the state? How do we get our arms around this problem, especially at a time when Michigan students' academic preparation continues to slip? How might we better recruit, better train, and better retain the sorts of excellent professionals we need, from the Upper Peninsula to the Southern State Line? Dave Campbell has some ideas. Well, let's let's take a top-performing nation right next to us. Very easy to communicate with people in Canada, right across the Detroit River. Um, and, and so they, it's very hard to become a teacher in Ontario. So there's high standards. Okay. So, and, they, and there's only, I believe, three teachers' colleges in the entire province, which is much larger than Michigan. So it's, it's, they're, they're, these are professional teacher schools. They recruit from the finest high school students. They, the compensation levels are on par with professional fields such as engineering and, and, and law. And then it's hard to become a teacher. It's rigorous training. And then you start and you have a, a mentor teacher that's assigned to you that is part of their schedule. It's not something they do on the side when they have two minutes here or two minutes there to check in on you and say, how's it going? But they're in your classroom helping you every day with your classes. And then as you build your skill and you get better and better and become a master teacher, or which takes years, by the way, then that can become part of your schedule, being a master teacher. And so you're still teaching some, but part of your day is curriculum development. Part of your day is, is being a mentor teacher. Uh, maybe part of your day is, is uh, being a student support coordinator to, to, to help uh, students resolve issues. So there's a, there's a variety we tend, our system is so lockstep, we tend to plop somebody into a classroom in their first year, and some of them have the same schedule 30 years later. I mean, that, that, that would be an exception now, but the, the same idea that, okay, well, here's your load, you get a seven-period day, you're teaching six out of seven periods, and then 30 years later, you're still teaching six out of seven periods, it, and it can lead to burnout. So that's the outline of the problem. Technically, we have enough bodies, but realistically... They're in the wrong places, both in terms of their specialization and geography. We'll get into how we might address this problem in part two of this podcast. For now, though, let's let Campbell, who is very passionate on this subject, boil it down. There are some unique people. I call them missionaries. They're, they're, they're just, their hearts are totally with the kids, and they can stay fresh for 30, 40 years. They're remarkable people. Our problem is we've got a million and a half kids in this state. 
and there's nowhere near enough missionaries. How do we address our pipeline problems? That's for part two. For now, that will do it for this edition of Facts Matter, the Citizens Research Council of Michigan podcast. Remember, the council operates as a public resource, and all of our papers, along with blogs, op-eds, and other resources, are available for download on our website, crcmich.org. We operate as a nonprofit through the generosity of Michigan's corporations, foundations, and individuals like you. If you'd like to make a donation, go to our website, crcmich.org, and click on the contribution button on the homepage. We also welcome feedback, which you can send via email to crcmich at crcmich.org. I'm Nancy Derringer, and until next time, I leave you with this observation by our founding president, Lent Upson. The right to criticize government is also an obligation to know what you're talking about. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you.